If you will, bow your heads with me. Dear God, we come to you now at the at the appointed time, dear Lord, and we just ask that you just speak directly to our hearts, our minds, our soul. Dear Lord, just let us take the message that, is, that you have prepared for us this morning, dear Lord. Let us accept it, love, let it accept it in the way that it was prepared. And dear Lord, let us go out and then live it as people feed off of the fruit of the spirits as you live through us. And dear Lord, we are thankful for today. And if there's someone here that needs a spiritual lift, dear Lord, please, please provide that. If there's someone here that needs a touch, dear Lord, just provide that. And we leave all things in your will. Amen. Amen. We are uh, continuing with our sermon series here about promises found in the Bible. And um, I'm going to be out of Hebrews 4 again. And a couple weeks ago, I touched on the first half of this chapter um, for a promise of rest. And then this week, we're going to find that there is a promise of grace and mercy. And you say, well, that sounds, you know, that sounds overdone, and, and we know that. But this morning, the verses that we're going to, that we're going to study and that are going to God's going to speak through us. These are these are critical verses, and, and here's here is the here's the point I want to make, and what the Lord has given me this week is that with Christianity, it's an all unique religion. It's different than any other religion out there, and here's the thing: it has to be. It has to be different than any other religion that is proclaimed on the face of this earth. And here, here is how it's different. When you look at all the other religions, they are a merit-based progressive religion. It's about becoming better and reaching a higher state. Now, we, of course, preach... You know, morality here. We're not against morality. But the standards in the Bible were set. And then Christ took them to a level that no man could ever reach. And here is the words of Christ as the rich young ruler approached him and said, What must I do to receive salvation, eternal life? And, there, and there's... The mindset that is still found in so many of us today is that we're still trying to find what we can do to receive eternal life. And Jesus Christ tells him, no one is good but God. I mean, he proclaims it. And he says, you know, you have been told the Ten Commandments, basically. And then right after being told no one is good but God... He comes back and says, yes, I'm good too. And that is where so many of us get off track is that we are still trying to find our own grace. And we are proclaiming that we have accepted the grace of Christ. But yet at the same time, we're trying to earn our own grace. In these Verses take that. 
and they set it in the proper doctrine, the proper theology, the proper teaching, and then they lead us out into a walk that is so much different than what some of us are going through today. Because think about it in your mind right now. All of us struggle with different things in our lives. My sins, my temptations may be totally different in a total different realm and world than what your sins and your temptations may be. Okay? And then there are some of us who are dealing with things that nobody thinks they've ever had to deal with. And they think that I'm dealing with something that you had never had to deal with. And the way that we look at each other sometimes is condemning. And the way that we look at each other sometimes unloving. And here is, here is the situation is that... Am I going dead? Can you use the microphone? So when we, when we look at these verses, it's going to properly set us and show us what it means to receive grace, okay? Because here's the, here's the ugly truth that I have to tell you today. Some of us don't really like grace, and there's a reason why we don't like grace, okay? And these verses bring that out, and they identify sometimes how we struggle with, with grace. All right? So if you have your Bibles or your phone, real quick while I plug this back in, turn to Hebrews 4. Am I there? All right. We're going to go to Hebrews 4, verse 14, all right? This is what it says. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Okay? So first and foremost, anytime there's any kind of promise, anytime there's any kind of preaching, there's always a level set. There's always a foundation built. And there's consistency. Because if you say, well, you, you hit this point all the time, there's a consistency that's found in the Bible. Let me, let me, let me explain something to you real quick. All right? There is one author of the Bible. It came through many different men, but their Bible is written by God. And here is the promise, here is the foundational understanding, is that God is all-powerful. He is the deity. And when we look at the history throughout Israel, and we see the priests that were assigned to the temples, we see that they had to ask forgiveness for themselves as well. And there was a continuance of forgiveness, of sinning, of you know, bringing it back and asking for forgiveness and sinning. And, and that is the history of Israel throughout the Bible. And we see that many times these high pr the priest had to go in and ask for forgiveness for himself and the entire nation. All right, and, but here is, the, here is the proclamation, here is the promise, is that we have... The high priest, and here is 
the understanding is that the high priest offered sacrifices and they offered sacrifices on their behalf and on the nation's behalf for forgiveness. But our high priest offered himself for our forgiveness. And there's the difference. And his sacrifice that he offered was complete, never to be done again. And in fact, it says that he is the only high priest that actually passed through the heavens and stepped into glory and now sits at the right hand of the Father as we await his return. He is the high priest. He is God. Jesus Christ is God. Even though he accepted the journey and the humiliation of becoming a man and coming down to live as a man, he accepted humanity, but he at no time relinquished any deity. He was 100% God, while at the same time he was 100% man. He is our high priest, and the sacrifice that he has offered has been complete. And there's no getting past that. That has to be the foundational level, is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and his death and resurrection at Calvary and on Easter paid our sins. The only way to get to heaven is through him. There's no other way. Okay? So there is the identifying, distinguishing difference between Christianity and any other religion on the face of this earth. It is Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good. You can't be enough good enough human to get there. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ do you ever get into heaven. We are broken. We are broken people. And we are in need of a Savior. In fact, Jesus Christ said, I did not come to abolish or to wipe away the law, but to fulfill it. Now, what does that mean? And I have told you this analogy before because it's so clear and it paints the picture so well. Is that the law is a mirror. And when we look into the mirror, we see a broken person who is in need of a Savior. So we look into the mirror and we see that we have stuff in our teeth. But no one can take the mirror off the wall and clean your teeth with the mirror. You understand? There has to be something else to do it. And Jesus Christ is the one that wiped away our sins, took away our blemishes, took away our sins, and made us white as snow, wiped away our sins, as separated as far as it is from the east from the west. Okay? And what we need to understand is when he fulfills, when he fulfills it, he brings us up to perfect, perfection with the law by wiping away our sins. We can't do it on our own. So the way that he fulfilled the law is by dying and become the sacrifice for us, all right? So there is the level set, there is the foundation that has to be built is that Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is the Son of God. At no time was he any less God, all right? He is our high priest. There's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ, all right? And it says there that let us hold fast to our confession. So there is the next step is that we have to continually 
proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is our son, He is our sacrifice. He is our way through heaven. Now that's important teaching right here. Because when we get to the grace, we're going to come back to this point to understand that this is the teaching, okay? Is that we are in need of a Savior. And I know I'm beating this point up, but I'm doing it on purpose, okay? We are in need of a Savior. And the only way to get to heaven is by accepting the sacrifice and through Jesus Christ. Okay? That's the only way to get there. He is our high priest. And our confession is to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the high priest who offered not a sacrifice, but the sacrifice himself. All right? We good? Okay. So then we move on. And it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So here is the compassionate part of grace. Here is where we start to move in to the love. Because if we don't have this set of verses, this verse here, then it becomes a hard justice. But Jesus Christ came to us and he comes and, the, and sacrifices himself through love. Okay? And here is why. Because he understands our weaknesses. He understands our frailty. And the way that he understands that is he actually lived the human life. He understands. How many here are tired? Anybody tired? And I'm not just talking physically. I'm talking emotionally and spiritually. It's a tiring time in this history, isn't it? And when you add in troubles with your family and health issues and all that kind of stuff, it can be tiring. And I know that people are tired and they're running out of steam. All right, And what we try to do is kickstart our lives and say, come on, get up, let's go, let's go. How many, and you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but how many are dealing with a habitual issue in your life, right? That's called being human. And here's the deal, right? You think you have this conquered, and then you have a bad day or a, or a tiring stretch, and it seems to slide back into our lives, doesn't it? And it seems that what we thought we had conquered now becomes ever-present back in our lives. See, there's, there's, the, there's where the misunderstanding of who Jesus Christ is. Because if I get up and preach to you to become a David so that you can go out and slay the giants or that you will have a Saul in your life who will persecute you, but if you're a David, you can go out and you can conquer Saul and you can become actually become the king. So you need to become more like a David. Well, that's a misinterpretation of who Jesus Christ is. Okay? David slayed Goliath because God performed a miracle of strength and gave Israel a victory over a giant when they were hiding in the bushes and let a child go out and fight for him. It was only, the victory was only provided by Jesus Christ. That's it. And when David is brought into the kingdom, it's not because David is great. We know David is great. In fact, the Bible goes out of its way to tarnish every character except one. And the one is Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? And it's not, the characters are not tarnished so that they can be elevated. They are tarnished so that you can see the power of Jesus Christ coming through. Even when humans fail and we are in our weaknesses, in our weakness, and, and we're not able to, to mount up and face our giants, then 
That's when Jesus Christ steps in. And here's why this teaching is important. Because for those of us who have a habitual issue in our lives, when we think we've conquered that giant and it shows back up in our lives, then that brings doubt, confusion. And you thought, well, I thought we already conquered this. Do I have to reconquer? David did not have to reconquer Goliath. Do you understand that? Because Jesus Christ, the God living through him, conquered it for them. So if you, if you think that it's all about you, then you start to pile on more doubt, more guilt. And here's where we have where people who deal with habitual issues, or they deal with sin, or they deal with the inability to, to do things, if we allow them to think that they are responsible for that, then they walk away doubting the power of God. So the Bible's pretty clear. And it is that God's strength is revealed through weakness. In fact, the greatest victory ever is brought to us through a curse. You understand that? That's what the Bible declares crucifixion as. Someone who died on this tree is cursed. That's scripture, right? And if Jesus Christ brought salvation, he brought victory through a curse. And it says that he is not unable to sympathize with us because he understands you. Now, I need you to hear that this morning. Jesus Christ knows you and he understands you. All right? He knows your weaknesses. He knows the horrible things that you've done. He knows the horrible thoughts in your head. He knows even when you take those horrible thoughts, stick with me here for a second, and you actually work them into a plan. Anybody ever done that? No, right? No one's ever had the horrible thoughts and then start the plan of action on them, right? Or am I the only one that does that? Guys <laughs> are looking at me like you're on the, like you're in, in a police interview here, like, nope. <laughs> okay? But, I mean, he knows our thoughts, our innermost fears and thoughts. He knows the total ugliness in our souls. And, and let me hear you, or hear me clear right here. Knowing all of that, and then you multiply, multiply that by all the people that have ever lived on this earth, he still died for all those sins. That is the greatest display of love. And we know that through love comes grace. And through grace, we are able to love. So Jesus gives us grace because he loves us. And because of that grace, when we accept it in a proper way, then we're able to show the proper kind of love. And let me, let me show you that real quick, all right? And it says there that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what is grace? Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. That is getting something that you do not deserve. Salvation, eternal life, atonement, that is all wrapped up into the grace that Jesus Christ gives us. All right? There is a promise of grace, and it comes through our high priest who offered himself. And we receive grace because he loves us, even knowing all the ugliness in us, he still died for us. He still gives us the gift of grace. All right? And then what is mercy? 
Mercy is not getting what you deserve. It's all wrapped up into one circular idea and thought there. And that is what we, he stepped in when we deserve to die and the punishment that we should have gotten, he stepped in and willingly took that. All right. Here is where sometimes we get off track. Is that when we do not properly identify where our grace comes from. Now hear me out. Because I know sometimes we don't just proclaim it in our head like, why? Well, I, I brought my own grace. But when you don't approach God in the right kind of way, and you start to try to earn your own salvation, then what we end up doing is we start to expect that from others, that they need to earn their salvation too. And with that comes judgment. And when people fail, and they fail in a very public way, sometimes we tarnish them, and sometimes we build ourselves up to say, well, at least I don't do that. At least I don't have that kind of trouble. And they're struggling because their faith is not great enough, or they're you know, they're not good as good as I am. And here's the underlying where we start out in our foundation is that none of us deserve anything good in this life. And the only things that we get that are good in this life is because Jesus Christ bestows them upon us. His grace, His mercy is a gift from God. We are saved by grace through faith, not of yourself. Otherwise, you would brag about it. And that is where we sometimes get in the wrong kind of way because we turn that around and we start to try to earn our own grace. And when we do that, then we look with judgmental eyes at those who are failing. And, it, and then there are those who have failed in a very bad way. And then when they start to turn their lives around, sometimes the most Christian people can't accept that person because of their failure. Am I wrong? I'm, I'm, I love you too much to lie to you, okay? And what this scripture is saying is that if you don't get it right and you don't truly understand who Jesus Christ is, that he was our high priest, he offered himself, not some other kind of animal, not some other, any kind of other sacrifice, he offered himself to die for us. Knowing how broken, how black our souls are, he died for us. And then we, because of that love and that act of love, we receive his grace and mercy and now we are to go out and love others in the exact same way that he loved us. By showing them, you ready for it? Grace and mercy. And when you show people grace and mercy, that is interpreted as love. The very thing that caused Jesus to show us grace and mercy. Does it make sense? My daughter, no? I can't tell with a mask on. All right? This is, a, this is a monumental, fundamental promise in the Bible. Without this promise, you understand, without grace and mercy, there is no heaven. You understand that? Without grace and mercy, there is no heaven. There might be a heaven, but it's unattainable for us. Do you understand that? And Jesus Christ gives it to us. He gives it to us. And sometimes we accept it 
and we accept it and make it our own little thing so that we can judge others and live in a certain kind of way that fits to us. And that's wrong. It was unmerited. We deserve something else. But he gave us grace and mercy through his own sacrifice. And obedience comes and morality comes because we can finally truly, now here's the teaching, okay? We can finally truly understand that our forgiveness comes not earned, but because Jesus Christ gave it to us. And we live a life of obedience and morality and kindness and mercy and love towards others because of that love and grace and mercy shown to us by Jesus Christ. Because now, if you've accepted the blood of Jesus Christ, now the sins are no longer on us. It's on him. And when we continue to sin, then it is as if, the Bible says, it is as if you show Christ to public humiliation again and again and again. Grace and mercy is the greatest gift ever given to us. And the understanding is that it was given to us. And at no point can we turn that around and live a life to where we expect others to earn it from us when we received it freely. And we act that way because we received grace and mercy through the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? There is a promise of grace and mercy in the Bible. But you have to understand it through the right way. So I'm going to have you bow your heads this morning. The camera is in front of you. Nobody's seeing the crowd here, okay? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning here. If you need a spiritual touch this morning, if you need peace and comfort that can only come from a spiritual touch through Jesus Christ, raise your hand this morning. Thank you for your hands. Thank you for your hands. I appreciate it. If you personally need a physical touch this morning, need the great physician to touch you this morning. Raise your hand here this morning. If you know someone dear to you that needs a, spirit, uh, a physical touch, raise your hand this morning. If you're thankful for all the blessings that God has bestowed in your life, truly thankful, healthy kids, grandkids, beautiful life, a job. Not everybody has a job right now. If you are living in a house and you're making your bills, raise your hand this morning. I'm thankful that you're being able to do that. Praise the Lord. And if you know Jesus Christ has saved your soul and given you the greatest gift of grace and mercy, raise your hand this morning. Raise your hand this morning. As Dave starts to play, I'm going to say a little prayer for us. Dear God, we come to you now. Dear God, if there's someone here who needs a touch, dear Lord, please just touch them in the, in the proper kind of way. Dear God, just allow us to accept your gift in the proper way. So many times we come off as judgmental and uncaring and unloving when we have accepted the greatest gift from you that we did not deserve, could never have earned, and yet we accepted it so freely. Allow us to truly identify who you are in the way that you came to us and all the sacrifice that you did for us. Just allow us to accept it in the right way so that we can go out and show love 
but love to you as we live for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.